In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Good morning. Today, uh, we are drawing near to our homeland, heaven. And as we draw near to our homeland, heaven, we pray for our homeland here on earth. And in these times, when it seems sometimes like that moment there on the shores of Gergesa, where the Lord met those who were empowered by demons, sometimes in our world it seems like we are in that place. But we are moving toward our homeland heaven, and as we move toward our homeland heaven, we pray for our homeland here on earth. This morning we have on our altar a new Antimons, and in that Antimons is a relic of St. Raphael of Brooklyn. Think about that for a minute, of Brooklyn. And in that somehow is joined heaven and earth. Somehow in that is joined our homeland in heaven, our homeland here on earth in this land and the homelands from which many of us came, homelands from far away. And we pray for those homelands as we journey toward our homeland heaven. The Lord Jesus came as a fisherman, and he caught the fisherman Peter, Andrew, James, and John in his net. He told them to go fish for men. They obeyed and people from every nation, red, yellow, black, brown, white, were caught up in the net of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And so, here we are. Our Metropolitan Philip of thrice blessed memory, he caught us and he pulled us in as if in a net. And when he chrismated us, he spoke eloquently from his great heart about the holy faith and about his vision for this land of ours, for this homeland of ours. It is altogether fitting on this 4th of July weekend that we Orthodox Christians should have a vision for America. For as the scripture says, without a vision, the people perish. 239 years ago, our American forefathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. No, I won't cite the rest of the Gettysburg Address. Don't be worried. That would be showing off. But our nation was dedicated to very high and holy visions. The conception of the United States was, I do believe, in the mind of God, and it was very close to his heart. And the birth of this nation brought the hope of opportunity to people of goodwill all around the world. From 1804 to 1806, the explorers Lewis and Clark trekked back and forth across this continent, and they came back in childlike wonder at the beauty of this new land. They were awed 
what they saw. When the mountain man John Coulter first entered the Yellowstone Valley in 1807, it is recorded that he dropped to his knees as if in a cathedral. America, this land, has had that effect on people of good heart. Yet we have not always lived up to the promise of our land or of the proud notions of our birth. Most of what we read in the paper today brings us shame and not pride. And tragically, we good-hearted people sometimes let this rob us of an authentic Christian patriotism. Things don't seem to be going in a Christian way. And so, in a sense, sometimes we have handed America over to death by its own devices, without so much as a Trisagian prayer for it. Sometimes it takes a newcomer to see us better than we see ourselves. Over a decade ago, one of our clergy here asked the then Bishop Joseph how he would characterize America. And without a blink of hesitation, he said, it is a land of natural beauty, of opportunity, of freedom, and of human rights. And then he paused, and he went on to say rather provocatively, if you are not patriotic, you are spiritually bankrupt. It seems, it seems from our leaders that we have a spiritual duty here that goes much deeper than just repeating a prayer for the president, civil authorities, and armed forces every liturgy at the great entrance. St. Paul instructed us to pray for and respect all of those in authority. Why? So that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. We ask for their good so that we may live in that good. And remember, when St. Paul wrote that, who his leader was, who his president was. He was not an elected leader in a democratic nation. His ruler was Nero. Nero, the murderer of Christians. Nero, Nero one of the greatest beasts that has ever sat on a throne. But yet, somehow, we must pray for our leaders whether we voted for them or not, whether they are of our party or not, we must somehow intercede for them. Just perhaps, if we were more fervent in our prayers for our country, it and we might live up to the promise of our birth. We dare not settle into some transcendent complacency we dare not disassociate ourselves with our nation. We dare not not respect our nation. We dare not get lazy about our, la our nation. If the Christian aboli abolitionists before the Civil War had accepted slavery as an inevitable feature of the American economy, to be sure we might not have fought the Civil War 
Yet if they had accepted the property rights of their slave-holding brothers and contented themselves to sing Amazing Grace, America might still be a slave-holding, divided nation, more divided, more brutal than it is today. So in this century, in what we face today, we cannot fix all that was there in the past, but in this century, in our time right now, we Christians, especially we Orthodox Christians, we who have been given the fullness of the faith, we must speak prophetically, prophetically to the powerful on behalf of the weak, the poor, the immigrant, and the unborn. We dare not let America off the moral hook just because we don't like the way it's going. What is the duty of a citizen of the kingdom of God to his temporary homeland here on earth? What do we take from heaven here today? What do we take back to our earthly neighborhood in America? When we go forth in peace from this table, our authority and our energy to speak comes from that table, comes from that Eucharist, comes from that thanksgiving to God that we have offered, that intercession to God that we have offered. Yet if we aren't thankful for America, we cannot speak to it, for they will not listen if we are not thankful for what we have been given. If we want to speak peace to the storms of war, if we want to say repent to the sin and to the moral decay that seems to be epidemic in our land, then somehow we must be first grateful for what it is that we have been given here. God has blessed us. He has given us so much here in this land. And he has given us the work, the commission, the duty to pray to change the rest. Not to go to war to change the rest. Not to argue to change the rest. But to pray to change the rest. To be gracious, to be gentle with our land, to love our land. About 210 years ago, St. Herman of Alaska came to Alaska. He was gentle to the land, and he loved the indigenous people as if they were his own. Do we love the stranger in our land, or just the ones who are like us? Though St. Herman himself was an immigrant stranger, he loved all his neighbors, and he loved the land to which he had come. He said, you cannot save what you do not love. Let me say that again. You cannot save what you do not love. Do we so love our land and its people so that we might yet see them saved and live up to the promise of our birth? Now, every homily ought to have at least one main point to end on. So, I will let St. Herman's be my point. You cannot save what you do not love. So today, when we pray 
for our president, for civil authorities, and for our armed forces, for all our land. Let us pray from our hearts and not just from our lips. Let us pray for America from our hearts, with affection, with love. For what has been given to us, let us give thanks. God bless and save America. <laughs>